You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. This is an interesting message I've never really particularly ministered uh, this before. Probably if I could piece about 10 different messages together, I have, but never culminated them into one thing. And, and uh, whenever I go to seek the Lord about, about ministering, you know, I've got I've been doing this for a while, so I can always just pull something out of the hat, if you will, and just minister, but I don't ever do that because I believe that the Lord wants uh, implanted or imparted into his people what it is that they need at the time. And I have, I'm not smart enough to know that, but the Holy Spirit is smart enough to know that. And so this is something that's a, it's a little bit fresh, but, um, but I really felt impressed to share it with you guys. And the Lord began to really stir my heart uh, yesterday about destiny. And if you don't know that God has a destiny for your life, let me be the one to tell you. And hopefully by the time that this, this time is over today, that you're going to have it really confirmed in you that God does have a destiny or a plan for your life. And there's many, many things that we could take from the word um, that would reveal that one most of us are familiar with, Jeremiah 29, 11, a very simple uh, passage that we're, you know, we know it's, um, but... Um, For I know the plans that I have for you. We know it very well. For, the, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope, all of that. And so not only does God have a plan and he has destiny for our life, but it's a good one. And that's really, really important that we always hang on to that because sometimes we go through life and we deal with stuff and might even land and find ourselves in a not good place. But we have to remember God has a destiny for us that's really good. And, and we... Um, as we walk through life, we, if, you just, if you've lived for, you know, if you're over 10 and you've lived for any time over 10, you've probably discovered that there is an enemy and he doesn't like you very much. Can anybody attest to that, that there's a devil and he doesn't like you very much? Amen. It's not your, it's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. It's nothing like that. Uh, but it's an enemy that is, uh, you, we can't see, but we can see the effects of what he has done in our life. And so, you know, a question begs, why does he hate us so much? Why does he come against us so much? And I don't, I don't give a lot of credence to the devil. I, get a, I give a lot of credence to Jesus because Jesus has stripped him of his power, yet he does roam about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so I understand that he is a factor. He's just not a huge factor, but he is a factor. But I've asked this question, and you know, years ago, I, I began to ask the Lord, like, okay, Lord, I know that there's a devil, and I know that he hates me, and I know he wants to destroy my life, but Why? Why does he want to destroy my life? When Isaiah chapter uh, 14, it talks about how that Satan, that Lucifer said, I will ascend and be like the most high God. And he didn't do that. He tried to do that, but he failed at doing it. And then he got put on the earth. And there's a lot of uh, things we don't know about all of that transition about. We know that he was cast down from heaven, but there's a lot of things there that we will just never know on this, side of, on this side of heaven. But we know he got put onto the earth, and now he is here on the earth being tormented 
by people that are made in the likeness and the image of God. The very thing that he wanted and tried to overthrow God for, which is the dumbest thing anybody could ever do, who can overthrow God? The very thing that he wanted, he now has been for all of these thousands of years watching people made in the image of God have the ability to carry out the glory of God. So you want to know why he hates you so much? Is because you have the glory of God residing on the inside of you. I could question whether some of the Old Testament people before Jesus, whether they had the glory of God on the inside of them, but certainly at the very least, they were made in the image of God. Jesus has come back and has restored everything, and now God's glory dwells on the inside of us. And it says um, in Colossians chapter 1 and 27, it says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a responsibility. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And there is, there is, and I believe right now in this time that we're living in more than ever, there's an awakening happening to the church where people are, are coming alive to the reality, to the truth of really who they are in the Lord. In Romans chapter 8 and 18, it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, the enemy knows that, that he, his time is short, and there's going to come a time when he will have no more opportunity to do anything at all, whatsoever. And so he is after stealing as much of our glory presentation as he possibly can. And the glory that we're presenting is not the glory of man because the glory of man fades. But what God is after and what he's placed us here on this earth for is to display the glory of God, the glory of the only begotten one, the glory of Jesus. Uh, in, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, uh, Liz quoted this just a little bit ago, and I thought I'm going to read that because that fits in really, really well. John chapter 1 and verse 14, if we can pull that up on the screen there. And we'll read this together. This is so powerful. John 1 and 14. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as, the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came, it says that we beheld His glory. So when you look at the person of Jesus, and of course they saw Jesus physically in a physical form, they could see the glory of God on Jesus. Back then, they beheld his glory. In the scriptures, we can see Jesus and we can behold his glory. But now the glory of God rests on the inside of us. So we beheld his glory through Jesus, but now we carry his glory. Let me say it again. Get ready here. We beheld his glory through Jesus, but now we carry his glory. And, and it's the glory of, of God. Again, it's never the glory of man, it's the glory of God. And that's what we're supposed to be representing to the earth, the glorious reality of the resurrected Savior that we have on the inside of us. I mean, that's an awesome responsibility. And like we read in Colossians, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
The only hope for the world to see the glory of God is in us. And I'm just going to say this prophetically, that he's left the gospel in good hands. He's left the gospel in good hands. Truth be told, he hasn't left it in anybody else's hands. It's in, it's in us. It's up to us to take what he's placed inside of us and reveal it and release it and see the earth changed. And it says, and if you go on and read in Romans chapter 8, and I'm not going to do this, but it goes on, and you can, you can read there, and I quoted this a minute ago, but about that the, the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But it goes on to talk about how that the earth is groaning and waiting for the sons and daughters basically to arise and to release the glory of God. So you want to know why the devil hates you so bad? And really, it's a war for our destiny is because our destiny, he hates us because we're made in the image of God and we carry the glory of God. He's not made in the image of God and he only carries his own glory. And our destiny is to reveal the glory of God. And from the time we get born again, when the glory of God's placed on the inside of us, all the way until the very end of the age, we have the, to the measure that we give ourselves over to the Lord, to the measure, measure that we increase in understanding and, and partake of revelation, is to the measure that we will release the glory of God in our life. There's coming a time when we'll step into the fullness of glory to where our whole spirit, soul, and body, every part of us will be completely transformed into the image of Christ. But for now, our spirit man has been transformed into the image of Christ, and that's where the glory of God resides into the measure that we get our soul, our mind, will, emotions, and conscience in alignment with who we are in the spirit is to the measure that we release the glory of God here on the earth. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss what God has for me. My destiny and your destiny is to not only know, but to release the glory of God. Everybody say this, I am full of the glory of God, and I'll release it in my day. This is my time. Do it just like that. This is my time. Now do it again. This is my time. I do it to the devil like you mean it. This is my time, devil and you're not going to steal it from me. Hallelujah. So let me show you a little bit about how to fulfill uh, the destiny, which is to reveal the glory of God. You know, when we talk about um, oftentimes like, like destiny or plans, um, we, get, we tend to get really selfish about things. You ever notice that about humans? And we could all hold our hand up and say, yeah, I can relate. I think about myself a lot. And we have to take care of ourselves. So it, it, it tends to happen pretty easy. But when you talk about Talk about fulfilling destiny and purpose. We always have to measure what we're doing and what we're stepping into. Does it fulfill what God has really planned and purpose for my life? And if it's anything outside of what he wants to do through us, then it's not God. Anybody can do anything that they really want to do. The question is, are you doing something that God says, I have preordained you to walk in this manner in this life? That's a question we need to ask. It's a question a lot of people don't want to ask. And sometimes, the, you know, the older we get, if we've, if we've not asked that question for a long time, we have a harder time asking it as we get older because we don't want to admit that maybe we haven't been walking in the glory of God our whole life and we've really been only walking in our own glory. Ow. But it's true. But it's not how you start. It's how you finish. So you have to come to this point to where you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. 
And the will of the Father being made known in your life will produce the glory of God through you. But we, ha- we have to step into what God has for us. It can't be, we can't be, a lot of people, what they do is they, they say, Lord, I'm going to do this, or they may not even say, Lord, I'm going to do this. They just do it, but then in their thinking, they're saying, Lord, bless this. When we do that, we short, we short circuit the blessing of God in our life, and we short circuit the glory of God being manifest in our life. What we really need to do is say, Father, I'll do anything that you want me to do. Here's what I have. I'll give it to you, and you do anything that you want to with it. You know, that's a one-time decision, but it's a continual act. Because I found out, you know, when the Lord said, move to Perryville and plant a church, uh, it looks a lot different now than what I thought 11 years ago when we first moved here. It looks a whole lot different. Just pastoring in general looks a whole lot different than what I thought. And what I found is that every day, it was initially like, okay, Lord, we'll move. We'll do it. We will obey you. We'll obey. We are yours to command, Lord. But then we, we started finding that we would try to do this, and it wouldn't work, and we'd try to do this, and it wouldn't work, and we'd try to do this, and it wouldn't work. And we're like, what's going on here? And the Lord said, you know, you got the first step right, but the other steps you've tried to do in your own strength. And the way that we walk in the glory of God, it's a continually being tied to him. And I'm not saying that we've been wayward in our hearts with Jesus, but you know how it is. If you're not really stuck close to him, you can find yourself doing things and doing ways that are not of God. It's not always about doing something evil, but sometimes it's about doing what's good and missing the best. Not everything that glitters is gold. Not everything that you can do that is good is of God. Sometimes you can do really good things. It can be helpful. It can be beneficial. But it's not, the, it's not God's best. I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, well, I, I did my very best, but knowing in my heart that I never really fully surrendered my will over to the Lord. Because the truth is, is that when we get to that point, all bets are off anyways. I mean, there can't be any more of like this thing that we pull over our own eyes to pretend like we're really submitted to the Lord. At that point, it's not going to matter anymore anyways. So what the Lord is asking us to do to be able to um, bear, if you will, the glory of God, which is a fruit of him, it's a fruit of who he is, is that we just have to stay tied to him. Listen to this in John chapter 15 in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, if there wasn't a false vine or false vines, plural, then he would have just said, I'm the vine. See, a branch can't produce unless it's tied to, I think of like a, a tree in a trunk, unless it's tied to it. You cut it off and you lay it there. Brandon's a tree trimmer. What happens when you cut the branches off? They die, is that right? So the deal is, is that it does more than tree trimming. I don't know, whatever. I don't know what you call it. But anyways, my apologies. High tree man. He climbs very high, whatever. Anyways, squirrel. Um, Sometimes I'll say things, and I'm like, this is beyond my pay grade. I know nothing about trees. But uh, anyways, I do know this, that if you take a, a, a tree and you, re, you remove it, it dies. The branch dies. And the thing is, is that you can have life because you're tied to a vine, but it's a false vine. So the fruit that's being produced is a false fruit. You say, well, but it, but it was good, and this thing happened, and that thing happened. It had to have been God. Not so. You can settle for second best or third or fourth or fifth, but the only way that we can bear 
God's fruit is if we're tied to him. Really important. There's a reason why he said, I'm the true vine because you can be tied to things that are false. I've had different times in my life to where I found myself tied to people and circumstances and places and situations to where if I had stayed tied there, I would have borne the fruit from that thing, which might have been true for somebody else, but it wasn't what God was telling me to do. And so we have to be at the place that the Lord's told us. And it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. We say this often, but your reward for bearing fruit is being pruned. That sounds really wonderful, doesn't it? But it's the truth here. When you bear fruit, you end up getting, you end up getting pruned. But notice it doesn't say that you produce the fruit. It says that you bear the fruit. The fruit is produced from the vine. The vine is what bears the fruit. The only thing that we have to do to, to have and manifest and release the glory of God in our life is to stay tied to him. It's not complicated, but it is really difficult. It's very simple, but it's very challenging to do. And the reason it's challenging is because we have an adversary, the devil, who goes about looking to bring distractions, looking to bring second best, looking to bring us to be tied into other things that are not really part of what God has for us. You know, since, since we started in, in ministry years ago, we had, we had many opportunities to where the Lord would, uh, well, other people were, you know, you could do this or you could do that. We even had different offers and different opportunities and work things or whatever that we could have gone and done those things. But any time we prayed and said, Lord, is this you? We realized what we would have been doing is pulling ourselves out of this and then putting ourselves into something else. And would we have produced fruit? Yeah, but it would have been false because we would have been tied to something that wasn't authentically what Jesus was telling us to do. Wow. And then he goes on to say, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. It cannot bear fruit of itself. It cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The way we bear the fruit of God is being tied to God. Hallelujah. So then why is this so difficult? I'm going to spend the next few minutes here giving you the, the correlation between what takes place in our, in our minds and our destiny that God has for us. Because there is a strong connection between how we think, what we think, the thoughts that are going through our heart and mind, and us stepping into what God has for us. And we're going to get to these verses here in a couple minutes, but, you know, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, all of that. And we realize that our battle really is in the realm of the mind. That's really where it's at. And we could ask, well, why, why is it raging there? Because that's the only thing that the enemy has to be able to come at us with are lies, cunningness, craftiness, deception. And most of his deception is aimed at getting us to believe that we are something different than what God says that we are. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, in the day that you eat of the tree, then you'll be like God. They were already just like God. There had never been any creation as far as what we know, at any point, there was ever any more like God, yet the enemy deceived them 
and made them believe that they were, that they were missing something. I've said this before, and it didn't go over very well, but I'll say it again anyways because I believe it's true, <laughs> that the original sin was not when they ate of, the, of the, the fruit. The original sin was when they believed that they needed something that they didn't have because you can't be deceived unless you're outside of faith, and the Bible says anything not done in faith is a sin. The original sin was really that they believed something different than what God said. Then when they partook of the fruit, then everything changed. So the enemy was working that, and he did the same thing with Jesus, tried to anyways, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. Remember when he was tempted in, in the wilderness, what was he saying? He was saying to Jesus, maybe you're not the son of God. Maybe, just maybe, you're not really all that uh, you've been told this whole time that you're growing up. Maybe it doesn't, maybe you're really not all of that. You could imagine he was dealing with natural things. You could imagine having to deal with the disciples. You can read about the disciples and be thinking, I'm God and I'm here camped and tense with these guys. You know, there's all the things that he was dealing with in the natural that he could have questioned. Maybe I really am not the, the son of God. How did he respond? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And what we have to do is we have to come back because we're tied to the Lord. We have to come back and with those things that come and tell us that we're not something that God says that we are, we need to take the word of God and say, not so, devil. This is what God says about me. Because the thing is, is that there is a glory of God on the inside of you. And this is a little bit of Kentology, but I'm going to give it to you. Part of the glory of God looks just like everybody else in the sense that it's the nature of God, but also... The glory of God that's on the inside of you looks unique to you. And I have found something that the enemy works really, really hard. And we've spent uh, gidgads of time lately talking about this, about authenticity. And you know that the Lord has made you like you are for a reason. And I, and I know, and, I, and actually I'm getting to the point, uh, man, I wish I could cuss and I'd cuss right now. I'm piping hot mad at the devil. I don't really wish I could cuss. Jeez. Somebody get offended about that. Sorry for the online people and for the people that are stalking our stuff and calling me blah, 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 blah. We love you. We just pray blessing and favor and hot coals on your head in Jesus' name. <laughs> you just have to love people, man. They just, people get full of the devil and they don't really realize what's going on and then they do stuff that's weird. But um, anyways, I'm just so... I've just gotten to the point where I'm so, I'm so mad at, at, I'm not mad at myself. So you've got to learn to forgive yourself really quickly. Forgive yourself quickly. I'm not mad at myself, but I am mad at the devil that he made me feel uncomfortable in my own skin long enough that I couldn't just be Kent. And when you talk about, especially early on in ministry, man, I dealt with insecurities that were beyond what I'll mention, it, I was very insecure. And when you see these other ministers that are, you know, uh, really bold and have these big ministries and all this kind of stuff, and if you're not careful, the enemy will start messing with your mind and saying, you'll never measure up, you're not this, you're not that, you're, you don't have the right kind of personality. I mean, the list could go on and on and on of stuff of why you will never be able to do what God's told you that you'll be able to do. You know what that stuff is? Lies. Lies lies. You know what you need? 
you, you probably won't have it, but you need your, yourself a four foot, ten and a half inch spiritual giant in your house to say, it's a lie. What you're thinking is a lie. Stop believing the lie. And after enough time, your lightning fast mind will catch on and go, you know what? She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> it is a lie. The devil's a liar. And you know what? You can be authentically just who you are. You don't need to be anybody different. You need to get some of your goofiness out of the way. I had to get some of my goofiness out of the way. I had to get some of the, 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 the stinky old flesh stuff that I was carrying around that was dead and buried, but I kept dragging around with me. I had to get rid of some of that stuff. Some people will be just as carnal and goofy as possible. This is the way Jesus made me. He's like, no, he didn't make you to cuss your mom out, all right? You know, <laughs> you have a personality, but you have to allow Jesus to come in and work with that. But when he works with it, be exactly who you are. And don't let the enemy tell you that you need to be anybody different. You be the authentic you. Hallelujah. That's some good preaching. So we have to be able to fight this battle uh, in our minds, but with the right weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? So the thoughts are carnal, but the weapons to fight against the carnal thoughts are the word of God. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, he said, with the prophecies previously spoken to you, wage the good warfare. And when you look at that word wage, it means, so prophecies, if they're a true prophecy from the Lord, well, this is a true prophecy from the Lord, amen? Whether you're talking about the word of God or you're talking about a prophecy spoken specifically to you, you can wage the, war, the warfare, and that word wage means to contend against carnal inclinations. For you or I to look into the mirror and say that we are something different than what God says about us is carnal. Because we're only looking at ourselves as being natural people. You are not only a natural pe person. You are born again, filled with the Spirit of God, and you have all of the same God substance that Jesus had inside of him. You have inside of you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, some people could say, well, are you saying that we're, we're comparable to Jesus? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. We're comparable to Jesus. You betcha. When Jesus came to live on the inside of you, which one of his attributes did he leave out of him when he came to live inside of you? Please, somebody tell me, because as far as I'm concerned, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God that changes not. And when he made up his residence on the inside of you, he brought all of the same stuff. The Spirit of God brought all the same stuff as when he was indwelling Jesus, when he was resting upon Jesus. Same stuff, same substance. So the enemy, want, he wants us to believe whatever lie could be there that we could grab hold of that will keep us from our destiny, which is to reveal the glory of God. You know, your destiny is to have the business, to do the ministry, to meet the person, to get married. All of that stuff is part of the destiny that God has for you, but none of it is supposed to be outside of revealing the glory of God. Whatever we do, we should have God's glory be manifest in our life in every which way that it needs to be manifest in our life. That's God's destiny for us. And so the enemy wants to stop it. So we have to know how to walk and not allow the enemy to win. Look at this verse here in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. I love this. Let's pull it up here and read this together. This is so powerful. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, Verse 2, 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, that, that uh, word there, law, it is talking about the law, but we can apply that uh, maybe a little bit differently, and we just say the word because they didn't have 66 books and a thing called the Bible like we do, but all, we know this all to be God's word, amen? And so we could just say the word there. So it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, he, and in his law, he meditates day and night, day and night. I don't have time to get into this. Liz and I talked about th- uh, different, um, how do we phrase it, different attributes or something about relationship with the Lord. I forget how we phrase it or whatever. Sometimes you just come up with different names to say the same thing. But anyways, I forget how we phrase it. But basically, medita- meditating, huh? Yeah, disciplines. That was right, spiritual disciplines. Uh, meditating um, is, is something that you can do all the time because you're always meditating on something. You're always thinking about something. You're supposed to take the, the Word of God and meditate it on it day and night. Now, look at this next thing, but notice, go back real quick to verse 2. Notice that this is connected to the idea of meditating on the Word of God day and night. Next verse, it says, he, who's he? Go back to verse 2. The one who meditates on the Word of God day and night, he, right? Back to verse 3, shall be like a tree planted. Let's stop right there. He shall be like a tree planted. Trees are supposed to be planted. I wrote a whole book called Breaking Vagabond. It's out there. You should get you a copy. It's all about not being rootless and barren in your life. You need to be planted. You need to be planted in in a church. You need to be planted with people, and you need to be planted internally to where you are rooted and solid and strong. Amen. And so he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So here's the equation. Meditate on God's word, be in God's word, and it will cause you to prosper. See, the thing is, is that you can't have two things occupy, occupy the same space at the same time. It is a physiological impossibility. Sounds good. We'll go with that. So <laughs> but what I'm saying is that things take up space. And, you know, we have a pulpit right here. And, do you, you know, I have to stand behind the pulpit and not where the pulpit is. Why? Because the pulpit is already where the pulpit is at. The pulpit cannot be where I'm at. Why? Because I'm at where I'm at and the pulpit can't be there. I know this is really, really deep, but I'm making a point. You cannot meditate on the things of God and on the things of the devil at the same time. It's an impossibility. That's it. That's it right there. That's how you win. You have to take what's been warring and, and, and being said against you, and you have to take the word and you have to replace it. Stop trying to combat the thoughts because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. If you're fighting in this realm, you're going to lose. But once you take this and you fight in this realm, then it will cause you to win. When you take the Lord and you take his word and you begin to meditate day and night on that, it will cause you. Didn't it just say here that it'll be like a tree planted by the water where it soaks up all the nutrients and it will cause him to prosper and his leaves won't wither away. You want to know why people wither away? You want to know why so many ministers quit? We, have a, we talk about these things with the Minister Alliance when we meet and stuff. 
There is a deficit of ministers in our nation that is horribly bad. There are hundreds more leaving than are coming into ministry every month in our nation. Every month. Do you want to know why they quit? Some of them deal with moral failures, ethical failures, different things that go on. But the vast majority of them, you you want to know why they quit? Because they can't deal with this here. They can't deal with it. Because see, when you step out, it's an automatic. When you step out into destiny, you will have opposition. Guarantee you. Guaranteed. It's a promise. When you step out in what God wants you to do, no matter how big or small, you will find opposition. And when you, so you look at ministers and, and they stand in that place of, of being the spearhead for a group of people, they face a lot of opposition. But what I've come to find, and I'm getting gooder and gooder at this all the time, <laughs> when you just deal with this here, everything else works really well. You just deal with this here, the enemy can't have you. He doesn't have great power. He has great deception. And when he can get people to believe and and to operate at a different realm, because see, we're not supposed to operate on this level. We're supposed to operate on this level. It says in Isaiah 64, there was a prayer that, that the Lord would rend the heaven and come down. I think it was Isaiah 64, that he would rend the heaven and come down. You know, that's a great prayer. Because the heavens needed to be rent. Because we needed what heaven had to offer here on this earth. We needed to have, a, a, if you will, a portal to heaven. We needed that. But guess what? Jesus came and rent the heavens. Now that prayer is really no longer necessary. The prayer now is, Lord, help me get control of my thoughts so that I can position myself underneath of the open heaven and the enemy will just won't be a factor in my life anymore. Because what happens is that, you know, Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he talked about being caught up into the third heaven, and he saw uh, things that were uh, indescribable, inexpressible, and that are unlawful to utter in human words. And so he went to a place that he referred to as the third heaven that is beyond what's in our, our sphere right here. He went to that place. So let me tell you something, heaven is real. Be assured, heaven is real. The Bible also talks about really, it talks about three heavens. It talks about the realm at which we're, the, the earth is a heaven, and really outer space, you could say, may, might be considered the second heaven. And then there's heaven, which we call heaven, is the third heaven. I know this is deep, you can go do your own study on it. But the enemy works where he works. He doesn't work in the third heaven because that's where God's at. How can he do any work where God is at? It's impossible. He's a loser. He can't do it. And the thing is, is what the Lord has done is because we've been seated with him in heavenly places, he can't mess with us so long as we are conscious and aware of where we are seated with him, which is in heavenly places. Because we're not just in heaven, we're kind of both in heaven and on earth. And what I mean by that is that our citizenship is in heaven. That's what the word tells us in Philippians. And so we are only pilgrims here on this earth. While, while we are here, we have all of heaven's resources on the inside of us. 
And the way we access heaven's resources is by not listening to the lies of the one that is roaming about, that is the prince of the power of the air, is what the word tells us. When we can shut him off and shut him out, we will win every time. Because we have the glory of God in here, and we have the connection here. We have everything that we need. And it's almost like the enemy has radio waves that are being sent out. And what we need to do is just stay at a constant place to where we interrupt his radio waves, and he doesn't interrupt us. But as soon as we take our frequency off of heaven and we tune it into everything that's going on around us, we open up ourselves to the nastiness of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the things that he's uh, perpetrating and accusing the brethren day and night. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 12. It says that he's been cast down, but before he was cast down, he did not cease to accuse them day and night. His accusations are coming day and night. You know what we need to do? We need to meditate on God's word day and night and cut his head off. Joshua 1 and 8. Again, this, this, is, this is a battle for glory, God's glory, and it's a battle for our destiny, which is to manifest the glory of God. Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way. Let's try this again. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way. And then you will have good success. How do we have prosperity and good success? And I'm not just talking about finances. Anytime you say that word, people are like, he's, he's hungry for money. No, I'm talking about prosperity here. I'm talking about prosperity in your family. And sure, finances too and all of it. The way that we do that is that we take control of our minds and we take the word of God and we put the word in there. And when you put the word in, you shut the devil out. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We just need to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. And if you understand his motivation, the more we step into the glory of God as individuals and as, and as a church, the more the enemy will try to stop us because he doesn't want the reality of who we are to be let, let out. He's trying to keep it concealed, and the only way he can keep it concealed is to get us to believe that we are not something that God says that we are. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 10, here it is, 3 and 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for the pulling down strongholds, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. The King James says, imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ bringing every thought captivity to the obedience of Christ. Liz used this analogy recently, and I thought it was really, really good, that when you have thoughts, they need to be taken captive. And if you could imagine, if you have thoughts that are running wild, they're like a dangerous criminal. Anybody ever had any thoughts that ran wild and, you've, and they did a lot of harm to you? Speculation, fear, 
worry. I mean, all kinds of things could be in there. What you need to do is when you recognize that that animal has been let out of jail, you need to take him and you need to put him in captivity, put him in handcuffs, put him in a straitjacket, and put him behind bars. You need to imagine different things. Literally, you could take your mind and you could begin to imagine different things that have been haunting you and plaguing you and coming against you, lies of the enemy, and you need to put it behind bars unto the obedience of who? Christ. Why is that so important? It's because everything, like we were singing earlier about the name of Jesus, everything we have, all the power and the authority and the victory we have is in him. And because of him, we have all the power and the authority and the victory. Jesus said that, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You have all authority as a believer. You have all of heaven's authority here on this earth. This is why, amen, this is why we can pray, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Because what we're doing is we're saying, what's happening here needs to come into alignment with what's true in heaven. And in heaven, there are no negative thoughts. In heaven, there is no fear. In heaven, there is no worry. There is no whatever it is that you want to put in there. There is none of that. We have authority to overrun the devil. And so what is happening and has been happening for, let's just say it's 7,000 years, is that for the ones, for the ones that have known their God and have known who they are in him, especially on this side of the cross. He's not tormenting us. We are tormenting him. Every time we lift up the name of Jesus, he gets tortured. <laughs> Every time we say, I am not a loser, I'm a winner in Jesus, he gets tortured. Every time we stand up and take authority over our minds, over our situation, over our homes, it just does him in. He's not more powerful than you. He's weak. He's nothing. You are, you are set and seated at this place. It says far above all principalities and rulers and darkness and all of the wicked stuff of this age. You and I have been set up there. When we act and we respond or react to situations as if we're not set up there, but as if we are down here, only mere men, that's when the enemy's like, this is awesome. I have convinced them that they are not who God says that they are. <laughs> but when, thank you, Jesus. But whenever things come and we go, you know what? This is no problem for God. No problem for God. And it's no problem for me because he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me he is with me all the way, even to the always, even to the very end of the age. This is just not a problem for God. When we see ourselves like that, yeah, it just rubs the devil's nose in it. And for this reason, the Son of Man was manifest, 1 John 3 and 8, I believe. It says to destroy the works of the devil. And his works, they have been destroyed. He doesn't, I'm telling you, he doesn't have power over. He doesn't. When people come in and be like, the devil's been messing with me and my family and this and that, I want to say, well, stand up and tell him to shut up and get out because he doesn't have a right to you. 
He might have access, but he doesn't have a right. You understand the difference? See, you can go out of town for a week and go on vacation, and you could leave your door unlocked. Wouldn't be very smart, but if you did that, you might give a burglar access to your home. Would that give him a right to be there? No, he doesn't have a right to be there. Just because you've given the enemy access through worry or fear or unbelief, just not knowing who you are, doesn't give him a right to be in your life. So you, son and daughter, glorious one in Christ, stand up, take hold of your destiny, reveal the glory of God, make known the glory of God in your life, and the devil will run screaming away at every turn because he has nothing on you. He has nothing on you. So there's coming a time when the glorious sons uh, and daughters of God are going to be raised to a high level with him because of him and in him. But until that time, we're on a rampage of an upward, an upward spiral. We're going up and the enemy is circling the drain. That's good news. That's great news. We just need to know who we are. And so when he comes and he fights you and and wars against your mind. Remember, he's warring against your destiny and he's warring against the glory of God. He's warring against you being revealed, God being revealed through you. That's what he's warring against. He doesn't want that because when the glory of God is revealed through you, and you say, well, what is the glory? It's the beauty of God. It's the holiness of God. It's the face of God. It's the person of God. I would even go, go so far as to say it's the works of God. It's who, it's who God is. It's everything about him. He wants that to be made known through us. And the reason he wants to stop it, the enemy wants to stop it, is because when that happens, more people come to Christ. More people's lives are transformed. And he's out to steal, kill, and to destroy. But God has come, Jesus has come, that we might have life and have it in abundance. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.